Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome back to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and with me, my usual co-host, Ellie Mistal. I don't even want to vote anymore. I just I just wanted to stop. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would think that. This has been, you know, ratings gold for us this election. I mean, there's <laughs> legal issues all over the place. The New York Times is fighting back against a threatened lawsuit. This is uh this is great stuff. No, it's great for business, but for the soul, for the soul. I mean, I can't I'm literally at a point where I can't have the news on when my children are in the room. Right? It's like I'm watching Game of Thrones only all the time now. I mean, yeah. It's it is interesting. You've got kind of Yeah, you I could see that. Also cuz like I don't know I don't know how you guys do it at home. Like when I'm watching TV at home while I'm trying to work and Trump comes on, I literally start cursing at the screen. And then so just the other day, Trump is on, I'm trying to work, I'm minding my own business. I need to turn him off and I turn around and I say, "Shut up, you orange Bad word. Wow. And my kid from three rooms away says to his little brother, Daddy does not like oranges. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just, this yeah. is my life now. Yeah. This is America's life now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't bother me particularly, but I'm, you know, watching sports and stuff, so it doesn't really come up. <laughs> well, that's closer to where I want to grind my gears today, because I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk right. about the election right now. All right. So what is the trademarked grinding of gears. So last night, PlayStation released another gadget that I can neither afford nor figure out how to use that's going to once again retangle and recomplicate my video gaming life. PlayStation released PlayStation VR. It's a virtual reality headset that you're supposed to wear. And I don't even, that's the thing. I realized that, see, I'm part of the first generation of people who played video games. Right. And it was always my thought that the games would age with me, that they would, you know, there would always be like the new tech for the young kids, but the games would kind of geriatric themselves with me. But that's really not happening. No. Instead, they're still just trying to get the new next hot thing for the younger generation and screwing up my gaming experience by forcing me to figure out how to do, like, you, there was the whole motion sensor thing, which I'm yeah. too old to like. They're, actually, they're they're pretty self-explanatory, all of these things. I'm not saying they're confusing. I'm saying that they're impossible. Yeah, no, they're they're not actually impossible. You don't even have a PlayStation. How do you know? I mean, I, I don't have the new one yet. That's true. I have, I'm still the operating one, the on four the four year old. The, I guess it's not four-year-old. Yeah, it's two, I think. But, yeah, I'm still operating on the PlayStation 3. I mean, now that they don't make new NCAA football games, I don't know why I would need a new system. I don't need virtual reality. I need my controller and my television. I need games to still yeah, be made. Based on what you were saying, you're having enough television. trouble with real reality. You don't want to <laughs> complicate it too much more. Don't you know it? Yeah. Well, so today's episode, we decided to start doing something slightly different, and it was spawned by the fact that we're going to Philadelphia in a couple of weeks. Hells yeah. Yeah. Ellie and I are going down to Philadelphia on October 27th and 28th to host the Above the Law Academy for Private Practice, which is kind of a, a show that we do for small and solo practitioners, giving them 
CLE and speeches about like how to, you know, maximize their practice. And since we're going to be in Philadelphia, it struck us we should know a little bit more about the Philadelphia legal market. So we thought we have a recurring guest on this show who actually knows something about it. So we brought back Stephen Silver, who you may remember from some of our sports-themed shows because he's at the Legal Blitz, which is a blog that also writes and contributes to Above the Law for us. So welcome back to the show, Stephen. Hey, thanks for having me. Stephen also has a real practice. Why don't you talk about that? Um, Because since that's really the point of this podcast, why don't you talk about what you do for uh, money? (laughs) Um, That I can talk about on air, at least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> First, I got to remind you, Ellie, that you know Nintendo is coming out with a console preloaded with like thirty of the best old games. So yeah. that's you right. Get that. It's gonna be like ninety-nine bucks. Like the mini NES. Yeah. You're totally right. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, I will be getting that. Um, so I I'm in Philadelphia uh, at a small firm it's called McBreen and Copco, and I've summered at larger firms. I was at a different firm for a year and then came here. I've been here two and a half years now and sort of have a little of my own practice I've built up doing sports uh, and a little bit of gaming law. And uh, I also went to Temple Law, so three years of law school in Philadelphia. So I think I have a little bit of a pulse, at least, on everything that's going on in the city. So if I call a person from Philadelphia, if I call a lawyer from Philadelphia and I say, you're working in a secondary market, Will that person stab me? Is that an okay thing to say, or is that frowned upon in that establishment? Uh, I mean, I don't even think that's true. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it depends what industry you're in. You know, if you're doing defense work, uh, you know, toxic tort, uh, sort of mass products liability, all those cases are here. I mean, a lot of the multi-district litigations, those are in Philadelphia, uh, because every plaintiff wants to be in Philadelphia. So... You know, to me, that's number one here. Uh, If you say secondary market, (laughs) you know, in terms of, let's say, corporate work, you know, M&A, some of that transactional work that, you know, the large New York firms are doing, I think you'd you'd hear from associates, at least, uh, here kind of laugh because (laughs) they're making about the same money and living in a much cheaper city. Well, that's very true. We'll hit on that. But I wanted to go back to something you said about every plaintiff wants to be in Philadelphia. What is it about... Philadelphia that makes it so plaintiff friendly? Well, there's a couple things, and it's probably changed a little bit over time, but Philadelphia juries still give out some of the highest verdicts in the nation. I think that's a demographics thing. You know, this is a, this is a city that has entrenched poverty, unlike other major cities, but also a pretty wealthy class. And so, you know, you're going to get juries that are majority minority who are looking to stick it to you know, large companies or insurance companies, and there's some big verdicts. There's also, as much as I like to complain about the courts and the judges here, they do move cases quickly. And so you know if you're in Philadelphia, you're going to get a resolution pretty swiftly. depends on the track, but at least within two years. If you have a lower-level case, it could be under a year, um, and that's going to move. And then, you know, same with the the multi-district litigation. You know, those judges stick to deadlines, and, and you know it's going to be efficient, whereas if you're across the river here in New Jersey, it could be a, a little bit unpredictable. You know, if you're filing a civil suit in New Jersey, I might as well you know, bequeath that suit to my son, as opposed to <laughs> right. I'm going to see it happen in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the other problem is, you know, 
at least here. So if you're in the court of common pleas, uh, which would be the you know the, the trial level state level court here uh, in Philadelphia, you're get a trial pool. So you could be called to trial any time that month, but you're going to get called in New Jersey. You get a listing date, and it could be six, nine months from that date before you actually get there. And it's a nightmare to make sure that you're ready and your witnesses are ready because you don't know exactly when you're going to get to go. So I think that's why, you know, a a lot of plaintiffs want to be here, and it cuts both ways. You know, and I think, look, I think the, the rules are somewhat a little bit looser in terms of discovery. You're going to get, you know, plaintiffs are going to get a lot broader access. Uh, so it's a liberal court. You know, this is a one-party town, and the judges are elected. So it, it's very plaintiff-friendly in that sense. How easy is it to uh, carpetbag Philly? So, I mean, you were talking about your experience. You, you went to law school in the area. New York, it's easy as pie to carpetbag. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter who you know. As long as you come here and, you know, look the part, you're going to be accepted into the legal community here. What would you say about Philly? Let's say I'm coming from... I don't know. Let's say I'm coming from Kansas, really good lawyer from Kansas, and I'm and I want to start up in Philly. Like, is that going to be significantly harder for me? Is it going to be harder for me in Philly than it would be in D.C.? So that's a fantastic question because I'm not from Philadelphia. I mean, I'm actually from probably the worst place to be coming here because I'm from Pittsburgh. <laughs> so that's the evil side of the state. <laughs> and you know, growing up, I thought Philly was the evil side of the state. So. <laughs> Philadelphians are very protective of their city. And part of that comes from your very first question, which is a chip on the shoulder about not being New York and not being D.C. uh, and being sandwiched in the middle. So they're very (laughs) almost suspicious of, do you really want to work here? Hmm. You know, are you going to be at this firm long term or is Philly just a stopping point? And so it is difficult to break in if you're not from here. Also, you know, at the firm's, like I said, most of the partners, the judges, either at the state or federal level, went to law school here, and most are from here, or at least have lived here a long time. So there's such strong connections in terms of you know, having an in somewhere that's based on where you went to high school, wow. what uh, town at the Jersey Shore you go to for the summers, <laughs> you know, what summer camp you went to. It's a little bizarre in that it is a big city, but it's really like you're moving to a small town uh, in terms of those connections. So it is difficult and you kind of have to convince people. I know when I was interviewing <laughs> as to, yes, I'm, I'm staying in Philadelphia, you know, I want to be here. But if I went to high school and grew up here, it would have been significantly easier to get a job. Uh, with that said, if you go to law school here, I think the connections are pretty strong, particularly at, you know, like a school like Temple where, you know, most of the big law firm partners and the judges in the city, they went to Temple. So those connections are really strong. So what's the, we talked about plaintiffs wanting to be there. Is there a particular industry on the defense side that really rules the town? I mean, like banks rule New York, the government's ruling D.C. What, is there an industry that's Philly-based that draws a lot of uh, legal work? Please say cheesesteaks. Please say cheesesteaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess that, well, hey, Aramark is here. I mean, they, they make cheesesteaks. Oh, yeah. Probably not good ones. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Now let's introduce um, our new sponsor, Aramark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Right. Sorry. But, you know, hey, like I said, I'm looking at the Comcast Tower, and they're building a second one of equal size. I mean, that's, that's a huge business here, um, and all of the surrounding businesses that, you know, 
go with that that empire. But you know, Philadelphia does have they have they have their banking here. There's a lot of insurance companies here, like a lot of health insurers okay. are here. And you know, I think a lot of the Philly firms also you know touch down into Delaware in terms of you know corporate work. You know, Wilmington's a close ride, and you know you have you you do have a big sports industry here. Uh, most of the gaming work. You know, that regulation, even though that's a state level, most of that's worked on here. So the Philly firms are going to deal with, you know, uh, state issues in Harrisburg and the Atlantic City casinos. So that's a big industry. And then you've got, um, which people maybe don't think of Philadelphia, but there's energy work in terms of oil. Um, There's refineries around here. And then the Marcellus Shale drilling uh, more towards the middle of the state. That provides a lot of business. I mean, yeah, it's called Pennzoil for a reason, right? I guess. <laughs> right. We kind of forget that Pennsylvania is where that kind of started. I literally thought that was just the guy's name. Yeah, I mean, I think don't, people don't think about it, but, you know, if you are going out towards the airport, you'll see the big, well, it used to be Sunoco, someone just bought them, but the big oil refineries out there. So there is, you know, the, the energy um, has been a big, big expanding sector. And now you're starting to see, more law firms transitioning to, you know, how do we get involved in the startup scene, uh-huh. you know, and the, the new tech companies that are coming out because there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of venture capitalists who have built a startup scene here. So I think that's going to be big in the future. And then you're already seeing some firms position, particularly smaller firms that are well connected into, you know, Pennsylvania's launching medical marijuana. And then I'm sure it's only a matter of time before we're at the recreational level. So that's an opportunity to get into a new industry, too. And we actually, at Above the Law, we have a columnist who writes every Monday on specifically cannabis legal issues, which we kind of... Of course we do. We kind of, well, we kind of laughed about it when it started, but there's some serious legal issues and hurdles in that that industry. Then she does a good job of walking through all of the problems that, uh, that come along with legalization. Yeah, it's also, so there will be big firms, I'm sure, at some point, really getting involved. But now I've seen, you know, solos in small firms that are really, really in charge. You know, they've done the homework, you know, studied Colorado, and they're the ones who are hosting the CLEs, you know, writing the columns and are going to get a lot of work when all of this launches. I feel like this is a good time for another app plug. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That was a natural transition for you. Come on. Yeah, it was was amazing. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll just say, again, we're going to be down there in Philadelphia. So if anyone from Philly is listening to this, you can come out and see us because we'll be at this event, which is at the Hotel Monaco. But yes, we want yeah. you to come out and meet some of these people that Steve was just talking about, um, as this is a conference focused on building your small and solo practice. To transition away for a sec, Steve, what's the law school that rules the roost down there? Is it Penn? You know, in New York, you all know if you want to hit the New York market hard, you got to go to Cardozo. There's just no substitute. <laughs> that was a joke. But, <laughs> but, you know, Penn, because of its Ivy League prestige, seems like it would be the right answer, but I feel like on the ground, I'm not so sure. Yeah, so, look, it. <laughs> If you go to Penn, I mean, my wife graduated from Penn Law, you're not going to have a trouble getting a job. But traditionally, Penn grads would leave. You know, they'd, they'd go to either federal clerkships or they would go to New York to work, to work at large firms. And what I've seen since I've been six years now, more and more Penn Law grads are staying because they can be associates, you know, at Deckert or Morgan Lewis or, you know, big law firms and make equivalent salaries. 
in some cases, making the exact same as in New York and getting the same type of work, and it's a much better quality of life. So you're seeing Penn grads stay, but, you know, Temple, like I said, it, you know, it's an older law school, a bigger one, and to have really deep connections politically and, and with the judges. So, you know, that, that kind of sets you up in terms of if you want to be a DA, public defender, you want a clerk, that's a great avenue to go. So those two are really at the top. And then you've got, you know, Rutgers and Widener kind of down there. And then Drexel will be, you know, a pretty big force too. They just got a ton of money to rename their law school uh, from Tom Klein. And that's from a plaintiff's firm, Klein Inspector, oh, uh, which wow. is former. That's, that's the Spectre Spectre. Yes, <laughs> yes. So Klein Inspector is the top or at least top three plaintiff's firm in the city. And Tom Klein has more money than, <laughs> I mean, he just wrote a $50 million check. So they're building, uh, just a few blocks from my office, a brand new school. I mean, it's this, it's this old bank. They renovated this bank building. And it's going to be solely for trial advocacy. And that's to directly compete with Temple because that's Temple's, you know, calling card. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of graduates coming out of Drexel compete for those, you know, DA, public defender type jobs and also go to plaintiff's firms, you know, and do trial work like that. So that's opening, I want to say, within a year, that wow. new school. And uh, they're really going to be competing. And then, of course, Villanova. I mean, Villanova is a very tight alumni community too, but I don't think they're at the Temple level in terms of some of the more prestigious jobs. So let's talk about that money, because I think you hit on an important point, which is that some of these, over the summer, we had the mass associate salary again, where everybody was handing out raises like candy. And it reached a point where a lot of these big Philly firms matched the New York salary, even though the cost of living is not the same as New York. What effect has that kind of had on the community? You kind of already hinted at you think more and more people are staying, but does it does the fact that more and more people are staying in Philly is that going to change the market in some long term way? You know, uh, long term, I'm not sure. In terms of will summer classes here in Philadelphia be smaller? You know, will there just be less new hires and more of a lateral market? I don't know, but well, the sense I get is is that it just it made the divide even deeper between, I'll say, defense associates, you know, because Philadelphia has a lot of very good, you know, sort of regional firms, you know, could be in that, I don't know, 100 to 200 lawyer type rating for there's offices throughout the region, but they're not some, you know, they're not Deckard. And the associate salaries are nowhere near what those large firms are going to be. And then if you're at an even smaller firm, it's going to be even less. So I think you just see it becomes more competitive coming out of law school, <laughs> uh, because if you get one of those positions, you're just, you're even more set now. And what I do think is more of the associate hires I see have clerkship experience, uh, like at the circuit level. Uh, so I think that's, you know, maybe attracting more federal clerks to, to come work in Philadelphia too. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we started observing when the raises started hitting all of these we won't use the word secondary markets, but all of these markets that you wouldn't expect. And uh, it does seem like something's got to give because right now it seems as though if I had an opportunity to make that money at a place where I didn't have the same cost of living, I don't know why I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, particularly here. Um, and I've told my friends who live in New York, 
you know, who worked at these big firms, well, why would you not come here? Because you can still be in New Hamilton York really tickets. quickly. If you need That's to. why you don't come there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and eventually I'm sure it will be here. But, you know, in how these firms are dealing with their billing uh, is something I don't know. But, you know, you know, I don't know how you can get away with, with billing the same rates if you're in Philadelphia. Right, because that's always the other edge of the sword. I mean, one of the one of our kind of uh, points about the salary raises as they went through is that you no, know, the the problem from a market perspective is that there are firms that can kind of easily afford to make these raises because they can easily afford to jack up their own rates, and there are firms that can't. And it was kind of playing follow the leader. You could argue that's one of the reasons that we got ourselves into the situation that we found ourselves in in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and now it seems like that lesson has just been forgotten. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, I can only talk from from personal experience and, and the people I know. But very few of the people I graduated law school with, so we're three years out now, have stayed at the firm they went to. You know, I think it's a high; it's still a high, you know, spit out rate, um, and even more if they're going to give raises because they're going to expect more hours now. Right. Yeah, they'll give you that money for free. Well, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So. I guess the last thing to go through here really is give us kind of the elevator pitch for the Philadelphia market. Like why why should aspiring either law student or a lateral associate like in 20 seconds or less like why choose Philadelphia if you're a lawyer? Oh, that's tough. You're going to make me <laughs> positive about the city now. Uh, uh, I'm kidding. Um as I have my Steelers helmet facing the window outside of the street right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, look, if you're, I'll keep it in two ways. If you're at a level where you can go work at one of the larger firms, it's a no brainer because you can afford to buy a house in a large house here <laughs> in the city and walk anywhere you want to walk, have some of the world's best restaurants and chefs because they too can't afford to go to New York. You have all of the same arts, in theater, just on a little smaller scale. And you've got all the pro sports teams and college sports teams here. Plus, you want to be in D.C. or New York or the beach, you can get there very quickly. Um, it's just a more relaxed place to work. The hours are going to be slightly less, you know, and I think it's a still, like I said, it's a big city, but still has a small town feel to it. And so the practice is that way. And then if you're at maybe, you know, a smaller firm level, it's going to be even a nicer place to practice because you're going to get more experience faster. You know, for whatever reason, you know, when I'm in court, I see a lot of associates handling things, trying cases, uh, and it just seems faster than when I talk to people in New York. So, you know, if you want to be on your feet and you want to have a life, you know, outside of work too, and plus get to actually, you know, really play with your money here, uh, this would be the place. Yeah, I mean, I take exception to the idea that the 76ers are a professional sports team, but I get everything else. Trust the process. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Well, thank you for walking us through Philadelphia. Again, that's Stephen Silver. He works down there. He's at the Legal Blitz. Read his stuff on our site, on his site. And if you want to see us, we're going to be down in Philly, as we've teased a couple of times, the 27th and 28th, uh, mostly on the 28th. That's our Academy for Private Practice for smalls and solos learning the products and the you know, advice that they need to help maximize their practice. If you want to register for that, I actually should tell people that. If you want to register for that, you can go to 
events.abovethelaw.com slash app slash agenda. Then another slash, but yeah, I think your browser fills that in. At anyway, this point, if you go anywhere on Above the Law, it's pretty easy to find yeah, it. Yeah, uh, there's links everywhere at Above the Law. But go there. You can register there. If you are registering now, you can use a code uh, for a discount. 10YRGIFT will get you a discount. So do that. Come on out. See us chat with us. We're going to record a live episode of Thinking Like a Lawyer there, so you can you can actually audibly heckle us as we say things. So it should be a good time. We like meeting people. It'd be good if folks came out. So yeah. With that said, I think review this podcast, give it stars on all the various rating agencies so it goes up the uh, goes up the charts. Uh, whenever your you're stopped at a stoplight, roll down your window and yell to people, you should be listening to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I think that's helps. That's I, good. I, yeah. That's good. Hide your wife, hide your kids. Yeah. So with that, thanks for listening. Uh, see some of you in Philadelphia. Everyone else, keep listening for the next place that we go when we learn a little bit more about a regional market. Peace out, guys. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.